What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. It takes about a fraction of a second, and it is the single biggest thing that you can do to help out the show because YouTube knows that it's a good thing if you hit the thumbs up. So do me a favor and do that. Uh, the same for Facebook, by the way. Welcome, everyone. I don't want to jinx it, but it feels much better to have a solid Wi-Fi connection as compared to last night when we were struggling on the connectivity side of things. I don't want to jinx it again, but everything is running smoothly so far. Welcome, everyone, into the show. A lot to talk about tonight. We will discuss Massey Smith, some of the biggest takeaways out of his NFL debut, the Cowboys' first-round rookie. We will discuss Michael Parsons, Suffering a quote-unquote injury on today's practice and my overreaction to the whole thing. Deuce Vaughn running with the ones. We'll talk about that more later. And as we do around this time, every single week, we will close out the show with the One Cool Thing segment. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me say hi pretty quickly here. We've got Gregory Double R, Guru, Charlene Evans, John Jones, Donnie Savage. Who else am I missing out here? Uh, we have, ladies and gentlemen, Colin. I think I already mentioned John. Yes, I did. Cheryl, Jesus. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Carnal. I appreciate it. Uh, Chava Vargas as well, watching from Guadalajara, Mexico. So we've got international fans right now here on the show. So I appreciate it. Muchas gracias. Uh, let's get right into it. How about that? Let's get right into it, ladies and gentlemen. The Mossy Smith game. Oh, bro. It's been a little bit difficult to gauge how the Cowboys community, both content creators, media, and fans, have perceived the Mossy Smith debut. And it's honestly logical. I don't think that anyone can get a proper evaluation of a nose tackle without watching the old 22 tape because most of those plays are like, you know, eat some space up, do your thing, control your linemen, eat those double teams, and make one or two plays throughout the game. And during the game, during the TV broadcast angle, what we did get to see was that horizontal view where you can see offensive line, line of scrimmage, no man's land, and the defensive line. And what we did get to see was that gap, that no man's territory. And what we did get to see every single snap of Massey Smith was what everyone knew about already during the draft process. And that was that it takes Massey this extra half a second to get there, right? He's not the most explosive defensive tackle. So the game ends and pretty much everyone is like, Oh man, Masi has no burst. He doesn't have that explosiveness. Uh, Masi's mid didn't get that big of a game. That was the reaction of many people. And then you put on the tape and you realize, oh man, there's some power and there's the strength that we all talked about during the draft process 
the moment that he was drafted, there is that strength showing up play after play. And then the tides turn and then everyone is saying like, why are people hating on Masi Smith? I'm not going to jump on that chip because, come on, A, not everyone has watched all 22 tape by now. Two, uh, or B, excuse me, we were doing A, B, not one, two. B, most people don't watch tape and that is okay. Most people are not supposed to watch tape. So this is my way of saying the Masi Smith perception has been wild. It's gone from it didn't have a great game to why the heck are people saying he didn't have a great game? It's logical. He's a nose tackle. It's difficult to get to know what the game was like until you watch that tape, until you watch that angle, what he's doing, where he was lining up, etc. So let's just admit that Masi Smith had a pretty decent game and he had some ups and downs like Mike McCarthy talked about yesterday. And we have some quotes here from him. Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy said, I thought that he did some really powerful things there in the A-gaps that I'm looking for in the anchor. And what does this mean from McCarthy? Honestly, it's what you will see in most of the plays if you turn on that tape. And that is Masi fighting through double teams. And that is Masi shedding blocks. And not only that, but really showing some pretty impressive balance, in my opinion. And to me, balance is better described as what legendary late offensive line coach Howard Mudd from the Indianapolis Colts described it once. And that was, how can I get knocked out of position by a double team, for example, and then ride myself back into the right position and maybe get that full arm extension or that way of fighting back into the rep. And I think that Masi Smith showed that at least several, at least like a few times, a handful of times in this game because he did face those double teams, not necessarily because the Jaguars were like, let's block the heck out of number 58, but because he was a nose tackle, things can get messy there. And those double teams came. There was one particular rep where he does get kind of destroyed, but that's in a rep where seemingly like three offensive linemen are on Masi Smith. So not a lot to take away from there because, you know, Masi is not going to be facing three offensive linemen most of the time, not when your defense also has Micah Parsons and it also has the Marcus Lawrence and, you know, the other players that we all know about by this point. So Masi Smith, what stood out the most has to be the strength. And today, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, a national college football writer, published his Freaks List, which is a countdown of the freakiest players in the world of college football. And it was perfect timing because, as we all know by now, I think, Masa Smith was number one on that list last year. And that was all about his power. That was all about the strength that he brings to the table. And we saw it more than once where he got his hands on the offensive lineman's chest, reached full extension, and just generated movement. When you think about power in the NFL, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about, I make contact, and that is one thing you want to evaluate. But once that I make contact, am I 
generating movement with my punch. And not only that, but once I have that full arm extension, can I still generate more movement? Can I move my double teams? There's going to be a lot of movement when you're playing at the nose tackle position, but can you be the winner, the consistent winner in those type of reps? That's what I think is really the biggest uh, question. And sometimes Moss is going to do some freakish stuff like throw an offensive lineman into the ground to go make the play. This clip is not from me. This is from JP Acosta over at Twitter. So I recommend following him. He does a lot of NFL stuff. And he tweeted out this clip of Massey Smith. It's an all 22 clip. Credit to him. And look at what he does. That's Massey Smith playing there. Boom. Just throws. I don't know if it's 67 or 77 to the ground. Let's watch it again really quickly. 67. Boom. Goes to the ground. And then makes the tackle. That's not necessarily what we are thinking about consistently when we think about strength and power. That's Masi going above and beyond in that area. So overall, I would say we did see that movement. We saw that movement in double teams. We consistently saw it show up when... You know, he, he was in this situation where maybe he didn't get the best explosion out of his stance, but after a while, he can reach that arm extension and then just push back. We saw it as well. And one of the other things that we saw, and you can see it on the screen right now, we saw him line up wide. So three technique or four eye technique, four eye would be pretty much on the inside shoulder of the tackle, which is not as a nose tackle. And I've got a Screenshot for you of that. Look at that positioning from Masi. Look at where Quinton Mohana is, head up on the center. And then Masi Smith is basically a four-eye right there. He is being a four-eye in that screenshot that you're seeing on screen. And he, I don't want to say that he set the edge on this play because it's not what happened. Because, you know, that would need to happen on the edges with the offensive tackles. But he pushes the offensive guard back. I don't have the play. I'm sorry about that. He pushes the offensive guard back and pretty much turns him. So his back is to the running back. And then the running back needs to cut back inside. So he basically sets the edge, but he does it against the right guard for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If the Cowboys can manage, though, to get this kind of look, and I'm not talking about the specific formation or anything. But in this clip, you get Bohana occupying the center. You get the offensive tackle occupied with 51 there. And basically, Masi is in a one-on-one -on -one with the right guard. If the Cowboys find ways, and I'm betting that they will, with the personnel that they have, with Dan Quinn calling the defense, if they find ways to get Masi one-on-one -on -one against offensive guards, or even against a center, I think they can get a very dangerous version, obviously, of, of Masian. We didn't get to see that a lot on Saturday night, but that might have to do a lot with the personnel. Still, I wanted to mention it because it was very special to see. And then just one more thing, run defense. We'll get into it, what, Ma what Mike McCarthy had to say about what Masi means to the defense. But before we do that, 
Let's get right into the comments right here. Troy says, one-on-one -on -one with Masi will be a joke. And I agree. He's too strong. And I think this is even against first-team players. Because Masi didn't really play against first-teamers the entire night. Uh, but the first couple of drives were against the Jaguars starters. And we saw some flashes of that strength, even against Brandon Scherf, who is an all-pro guard, even though he's not at the peak of his career. He beat... Sheriff, uh, or, or not necessarily bid drastically, but he did generate that movement against him and all that. So I agree with Troy here. Like this defense with Dan Queen, and I would love to do a deep dive into the amount of defensive fronts that they show later in the year, but it can be this defense that just it's a pick your poison kind of thing against offensive lines where. Where are your sliding towards if you even can slide? Because Dan Quinn is going to give them so many five-man fronts that commit offensive linemen to maybe big on big protection where they need to take just one guy if they even drop, if, if they even rush the passer at all, because they might also drop into coverage. We've heard a lot about Leighton Van Der Esch rushing from the edges, and I think that's all part of the plan of getting those 5-0 looks and that is just a five-man surface where the offense needs to go you know what we're not sliding left we're not sliding right we're just man protecting at this point the guy that's in front of me but then there's a pressure design that has I don't know Micah dropping back into coverage and maybe Donovan Wilson with the blitz or Jaron Kears with the blitz it's gonna be chaos I think and it was that that way last year but having Masi in there will further that, in my opinion, because you're going to have a guy that could very well eat two people in pass pro. Sorry for geeking out randomly about just pass pro and all that. I love, I love that topic. Uh, anyways, shout out to Caustic Colin. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you for the comment. Thank you for the donation. Love the show. Thanks for what you do. Colin, appreciate your support. Thank you for the super chat. He also says, with 2-1 techs, you won't push the pocket, though. That has always been the bugaboo for guys like Brady, and it works on other passers, too. That's in response to Danny, who actually had tweeted out, uh, tweeted out, excuse me, <laughs> commented, I want 2-1 techs on the field. We have enough team speed to overcome it. Well, it would seem like Danny Savage was on the primetime production meeting earlier today because we're going to talk about that right now. Massa Smith and the impact on run defense. Mike McCarthy talked about it earlier. To, earlier, Excuse me, no, it was not earlier today. It was yesterday. And what Mike McCarthy said about it was pretty interesting to me because he said the following. It's been obvious when he and Jonathan Hankins are in the game together it's obvious it's different. Your run defense is a, is definitely a little different. And this was McCarthy basically saying that it's better. And I think, Danny, that you are going to get to see that. You are going to get to see two nose tackles on the field for the Cowboys. At this point, I'm betting the week one starter is still Jonathan Hankins just because of the experience that he has, and just because, you know, you want Masi 
to go through the learning process and maybe have him start early in the season, but maybe not week one. This is just my gut feeling. Obviously, you guys know that Hankins is listed as the number one guy on the depth chart, but it's difficult to figure out how much that means. But I do think we're going to see a lot of Hankins and Massey on the field at the same time. There are some issues with it, obviously. There are some issues with it, but there are some good things about it as well. I know that it sounds so weird to say all of that, but let's break it down. There are run situations where obviously you can beef up your, you can beef up your defensive line and just have these heavies on the defensive line trying to occupy space and free up the linebackers. That's, that's clear. If you're near the goal line, you're going to have Hank and you're going to have Massey Smith in there. If it's four than inches and the opposing offense comes out with three tight ends and they're going to run down your throat, you come out with those two big guys. I think all of that is pretty, pretty logical. But there's also a world in which Massey and Hankins being together on the field could be beneficial for the passing defense. And it's difficult to really paint this picture without getting too deep into the weeds. But if you're going to be playing more quarters coverage, and if you're going to be playing with more light boxes being six defenders in the box because you're allocating more resources to your pass defense because you're playing more quarters and you want two deep safeties and all of that, then you can really benefit from not having two one techs because they're not going to be lining as a one technique, lining up as a one technique. But you can have two G techniques or two I techniques and I know that sounds confusing, but think head up on the guard because that's pretty much what it is. Maybe the coaching points are a little bit different, but as, as fans, as followers of the game, we can think of having two defensive tackles right in front of the guards and having the center uncovered. And now you can play one gap and a half. And what that means, and coaches are going to hate me probably if I put it this way, but we're going to keep it simple and digestible, I guess. If the run's to the right, playing that gap, but I have this technique to really control my guy to the other side if the running back cuts back. That's basically what one gap and a half means in this scenario. And that way, you're basically dealing with the run with fewer guys in the box. So I think that Hankins and Massey could really be on the field together more than we would imagine. More than we would imagine. That's how I look at it right now. And I wonder if that pretty much motivates the Cowboys or not to carry a third heavy defensive tackle to have more depth if you were planning on using them this way. We'll find out. In the meantime, though, we know that Hankins and Massey together in obvious run situations would be pretty big because you would have two guys occupying a lot of space and freeing up Banderash and freeing up Damon Clark. Maybe overshown if he finds his way to, to the football field as a, as a defender because he's done such a good job so far. And McCarthy did say 
yesterday, listen, he was very honest. He said, offenses are going are gonna to want to run on us. And it's that simple. Because number 11 is really one of the best defensive players in the entire league. He really is, period. So offenses are going to want to run on the Cowboys. Masi was brought into Dallas to avoid that, to keep them from successfully doing that. But if you have Stephon Gilmore, if you've got Trayvon Diggs in coverage and one of the best group of safeties in the NFL, most underrated group of safeties perhaps in the league with a pass rush that you have, man, that is going to be a, a dangerous look for passing offenses. So as long as they can keep it close, they're going to be pounding the rock. And that's why Amasi Smith was drafted. Let's see here, though, what you guys have to say in the chat. Lost in Translation podcast says, LVE's days are numbered. I'm not going to disagree if we are talking about beyond the 2023 season. If we're talking about this year, though, man, he's one of the most important players on your team today. That is just being honest. I love what Clark has been doing. I am very excited about Overshone's future. But man, LVE. LVE is one of your most important players this year. Because that guy is a communicator of the team. That guy is a veteran on Dan Queen's defense that knows the calls, knows the assignments, that can really provide that leadership. And as I've said before on the show, LV is such an underrated leader, to be honest, and he's had that way of proving that several times. I talked about it about two weeks ago when I discussed that Hall of Fame game moment with Micah back in his rookie season in 2021, what he said about Damon Clark recently as well. Like LVE. LV is one, a very good pass coverage linebacker, a very good communicator and leader, and your veteran presence on the field. So I'll, I'll agree that, hey, maybe if you're talking about 2024, maybe the Cowboys are hoping Clark can take over, or maybe they're hoping Overshone can take over, or maybe fill the Jaron Q's role, whatever. I just think, man, that... Uh, LV, as far as 2023 is concerned, is one of the guys that you least want to have go down injured or anything like that. We'll see. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. LV is a QB. Get real, says Troy. There you go. I agree with that. Uh, Colin says LV is on a two-year deal with a modest out of the at the end of the year. I think they carry him both seasons due to his cheap cap hit. And he is so valuable because of that. I agree. Katharina says, LVE is a beast. I love him. Mark Andrews says, LVE is still of value to the team. Beast says, Inez Gomez. There you go. A lot of people. A lot of people standing up for LVE. And I know that Lost in Translation, by the way, was not knocking him. The rookies need time. I like LVE, he says. But still, uh, it could be a very valid observation as far as beyond 2023, in my opinion. All of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we have mentioned Micah already on the show because we've talked a little bit about that ravenous 
pass rush. And he he gave us a scare today. Micah did. Because Micah Parsons was injured, quote unquote. This is the tweet from Todd Arker from ESPN. He tweeted out, Micah Parsons missed the final 11 plays of first team red zone work and was limping after practice. His lower left leg had a gripe and said that he would get it checked out, but he added, I am not worried about it. My question from me to you in the chat, yes or no, Mike is not worried about it. Are you? Are you worried about it? Let me know in the chat, man, because I saw this tweet, and I'm going to be honest with you. I was driving when it happened. So when I learned about this, it was like 25 minutes after the fact. And I was like, wait, what, Micah, what? Hold up. Let me read that again. What? And then, you know, everyone was like, hey, man, it's cool. Micah looks okay. Calvin Watkins from Dallas Morning News added on Twitter that Micah had said that he was kicked during practice. So maybe we're talking about a cut or something like that. Not entirely sure. But in the moment, I was like, you know what? This requires an overreaction, kind of a humorous overreaction that I put together for ADC Sports. And that was the Cowboys have an obvious decision to make, and that is put Micah in a bubble grab. And obviously, they're not going to do that if it's not like a soft tissue injury or anything like that. If it's really like a kick that, I don't know, made him bleed or something, it's not going to be a big deal at all. But if it's anything like similar to a soft tissue injury, like put that guy in a bubble wrap and do not let him practice for the rest of camp until the Cowboys are gearing up for week one of the NFL regular season. Because you don't want any of that to linger at all, especially with a guy that, one, you know he doesn't, need need the reps of course he needs them every nfl player needs them they're getting into a rhythm they're trying different stuff in camp it it would be foolish to say that he doesn't need the reps at all but he could easily get to week one with some rest and be okay and ready to go and two he's not gonna slow down i don't think that he can tell micah hey man keep practicing it's okay but chill micah is not going to chill. We, we, we pretty much know that. So if it is something like a strain, something like a half string, a hamstring, whatever, and I'm not a doctor, so I don't even know what the possibilities are for a grab on your left leg. Just put him on a bubble grab if it's anything even remotely similar to a soft tissue injury. If it's something, again, like a cut or something like that, it's okay. I, I get it if, if they don't do anything. And I fully, fully know that this is somewhat of an overreaction for me. But that is the kind of player that we are talking about. Uh, we've seen enough from Micah. He doesn't need to prove anything else to us in practice. Just let him rest if it's 
even 1% dangerous to have him have practice. And let's wait until September to watch him play. Let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat. Are you worried about it or not? Uh, Jesus says, limit his reps. He is vital to what we're trying to do. Definitely no, says Jeff, not worried. I heard that he got kicked. Danny says, bone bruises can last a long time, plus they are nag and painful. Plus a nag and painful. Uh, nope, not worried, says Guru. If Micah is walking off, especially on his own power and no negative MRI reports, and they did say that he's going to have it checked out. So tomorrow, I will admit, I'm going to be a little bit nervous until it's time for that Mike McCarthy press conference, I guess. Katharina says he will be fine, Mo. Guru says calf strain sounds like it. Rest in icy hot, Rob down. Uh, listen, I really don't know. Uh, if it sounds like a calf strain or, or it sounds like a bone bruise, we've already had some theories here in the chat. I'm not going to say anything. But if it is soft tissue related, shut it down. Shut Mike Parsons down until September. Kendall Pinedo says, no, worried about how effective he's going to be down the stretch. Playoff game against the 49ers. He looked tired and not getting to the QB as much as he did earlier in the season. Troy says Micah might burn the house down if they said go sit. That is true. That is true. Now, at some point, though, even if he does want to burn the house down, he needs to be coachable, right? And he needs to go sit down if the cow if the Cowboys coaches do ask him that. Uh, but I'm not worried. Like, I'm not really worried. I, I am I am nervous. I am nervous about the follow-up update tomorrow. Looks like he will be fine. I just don't want us to be looking at a changeup tomorrow when when it, when they give us the update. Hopefully that is not the case. All of that being said, one more comment here really quickly before we get into the one cool thing of the week. There were some notes out there from Kyle Jumans from DallasCowboys.com, some updates from Todd Arker from ESPN. And I say this because, you know, just one of those things that you see from practice and maybe you kind of miss who said what or who reported what. LBE reportedly seeing more and more time as an edge rusher. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Kyle Jumans noted, no, this was Todd Archer, actually. He noted that he is getting home, that he's getting to the QB. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Sock Martin was back in practice. So for the first time, we got a glimpse of the starting offensive line, which is from left to right, Tyron Smith. Tyler Smith, Tyler Viadish, Zach Martin, and Terence Steele. Though that is your group of five up front. And then one interesting note from Kyle Humans, and that was somebody named Deuce Vaughn getting extra reps with the ones, with the first team offense. Something or nothing. Let me know in the chat. Something or nothing that Deuce Vaughn was out there with the Wands today. Vaughn obviously has taken over the news cycle when it comes to the Cowboys. You know, you watch some national shows and they're as excited for Deuce Vaughn as we, the Dallas Cowboys community, are. And it's easy to do so. And I was super proud. <laughs> When I was watching this Kay Adams clip on Twitter, and she was discussing 
just how like, hey, if the height is not an issue, then this can be a very dangerous player for the Cowboys in 2023 because if it gets to the point where he's doing the exact same stuff that he was doing at Kansas State and the size is not an issue, then that was the concern. That was it. Everyone knew about the burst. Everyone knew about the agility, about the vision, about everything else. If the size doesn't turn out to be a, a, a legitimate concern, then the Cowboys have a very good running back in their hands. That was her point in that clip. And I was proud of primetime on Sunday night because we basically made that point back on Sunday. So it seems like people are catching on to Deuce Vaughn, something or nothing, that he was getting more playing time with the ones. Let's see, though. What you guys have to say? Something for Gregory. Katharina says, might be something. Gilbert says, it is something. Tony Pollard, not 100%. Let Deuce learn the playbook, says Danny Savage. Pause. Pause. I'm going with something. Not in the sense that he's going to bench Tony Pollard. That's not even... That is nothing, right? Like, if, if that was the discussion here, yes, nothing. Just clarifying... Because of this comment from Tony, uh, from Danny Savage, I don't want to make it seem like we're saying that Deuce might sit Tony Pollard, but is he the leader right now for running back two? We, we'll see. He still has, uh, you know, two more games in the preseason. There are more weeks left in the regular, uh, excuse me, of training camp. So more, much more practice, many more practices, excuse me, of training camp. Can he solidify himself? as running back to, or at least be a legitimate contender for the role. Because if that's it, like if that is the concern size and he overcomes it in the preseason, the Cowboys say, you know what? This is our guy. This is our number two guy. We'll find out in the future though, before we get out of here though, before we get out of here, it is time for the one cool thing of the week. For those of you who are new to the show, every Tuesday night, we have our feel-good segment. And that is the one cool thing of the week where I ask you, what is your one cool thing of the week? Oh, man. Mine was going to be a little bit of a show and tell, but it's all the way over there. Forgot to grab it. Uh, it can be something personal, professional, sports-related, non-sports-related. Whatever you want to share in the chat, drop your one cool thing of the week. And Katharina, starting us strong here on the segment, saying, my one cool thing is that Zach Martin is back in the game. He's back on the field. That is a great one cool thing. Number 70, the governor. I was watching his press conference earlier today. And man, the way that he talks... One of the leaders of this team, his presence on that practice field will be felt. Believe me when I say that. Zach Martin being back is absolutely huge, even though we were not concerned about him showing up until the regular season. Plus, one of your best players. It's either him or Micah. One of the, your two best players is happy. That is what you want in the NFL, period. Let's see here. Colin says, one cool thing, Michael Parsons' tears cure cancer. Unfortunately, he has never cried. This is Colin. Oh, man. 
Guru says, agree, Zach Martin back and Dirk in the NBA Hall of Fame, says Guru. There you go. My one cool thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's finally here. Since I'm in Mexico, it took much more time than I anticipated because I never buy it online because I always buy it in a chopping trick to El Paso, Texas or whatever. This time, I was not able to go, so I had to order it online. We are weeks away from the season, from the college football season, but it's finally here. My field still college football preview. That is a meaningful one for me. I was doing the math. That is my 12th year purchasing that magazine every single year, 12th year. It's about 300 pages long, information on every single college football team. Not trying to make it sound like an ad, but it's a magazine that I collect. It's one of the few collections that I have, and it's so meaningful to me for so many reasons. Finally here, 12, like I am 24 years old, and that is my twin, excuse me, I'm 24 years old, and that is my 12th magazine. I've been buying that magazine for half of my life. When I think about that, it blows my mind. Let's see here, though. Uh, my Dodgers have won eight straight games in a row, says Gregory, and are 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. I don't want to think about baseball, but hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, awesome show, Mo, as always. Thank you, Katharina. I'll legit read it to my kids. It's Colin. <laughs> Guru says, show, show the book's cover page. And it's all the way over there, but it's the best players in college football. All right, guys. That'll be it for me tonight on the show. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight, guys. I appreciate you as always. Do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Thank you so much for enjoying the show. Thank you to Joey Vela for becoming, for, for being a member for the seventh month now. He says, one cool thing, being here and being part of the best group of people. Appreciate you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you, everyone. Nos vemos el día de mañana, 8 de la noche, 8 p.m. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.